gambling. Over 4.2 billion people do it at least once a year and over a quarter of the world's population do it more regularly. Whether it be a few quid on the Grand National or an accumulator for Saturday afternoon's footy action, in the UK we simply love a bet. Just under half of the country engaged in some form of gambling last month and about £14.5 billion was staked between October 2017 and September 2018. On this series of podcasts, I'm going to dip a toe into the microcosm that is sports betting, as I hope to gain an insight onto this complex, treacherous and exhilarating little world. Despite gambling being largely considered as a form of entertainment, over 330,000 people in England are deemed to be problem gamblers, with just under a quarter of a million of them admitting they have bet more than they can afford to lose. Adam Wood is a former gambling addict who now raises awareness of the dangers of gambling. I spoke to him about just how addictive sports betting can be. How did you get into uh, betting? Like when were you first bet, your first winner, sure, first race meeting. Um... Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, first started gambling, I guess, when I was like uh, 15, 16, which is obviously like a couple of years below the legal limit. But what I was doing, I didn't really feel there was any harm in it. It was literally, as I'm sure you know yourself, like just giving my dad uh, a couple of quid on the weekends for football and stuff. And pretty much kept up that approach like for the best part of two or three years. So even when I got to 18, it wasn't even like a rush to set up like my own account or get into a bookies. Like it didn't grip me like that. Um, and it was it was only when, uh, like you say yourself, I discovered racing and, and started going to meetings and stuff. Um, we went to the St. Ledger as a family, which is obviously up near us at Donny. Um, and like the atmosphere and the buzz from that was unlike anything I'd heard before. I mean, like I'd followed Wednesday up and down the country and, you know, and that was decent. But then going there, it was just different, different level, really. And I um, pretty much cut a long story short, really started following the sport, started getting into racing um, a lot more to the point where I was getting home from work, studying races, uh, putting a lot of time and effort into it. And I mean, at this point, to be honest, I wasn't even gambling. Like it was just more of a, an enjoyment kind of thing. Um, and it was just one thing led to another. And I started back in my own knowledge um, and the hours and hours that I was putting into it was actually paying off and I was picking out quite a you know a few decent price winners and it was only when I started to like back myself and really up the stakes if you like was when I guess things started to go wrong um and I knew like what I was doing was wrong and, and like I said the stakes increased and I was prioritizing gambling over other things like going out with mates um even like at work I would skip work you know take toilet breaks, you know, that things like that to, to get bets on. Um, and that's when I knew that, you know, things really weren't going as planned. And yeah, the, the deterioration, I guess, sort of went downhill from there. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so could, could you just sort of um, talk to us? Because we, we, uh, I bet, I, I like a bet, and you can't, you, you, I don't think you can beat the, the rush of a winner. Can you t- sort of uh, touch on, have you got a little story about your first winner or the, the first sort of rush you had from? Sure. From a yeah, bet? I mean, I know you've said it yourself, like the, the buzz and the feeling you get from a win, like all gamblers will know you can't really put a price on that feeling. And I think it's that what, especially for me personally, I'm sure a lot of others that agree is what, you know, pulls you in and keeps you correct, even though 
when my gambling started to go downhill, I didn't really want to be around it. I didn't really want to be doing it, but because you're chasing that that feeling of a win, uh, you you do just keep going. And I remember, you know, when I especially when I started staking, you know, we're talking three, sometimes even four figure sums. You know, whilst there was obviously a lot of losses there, there was big wins along the way. Um, and, and I remember a particular big win at, at Cheltenham, which was back in 2019 when I ended up, you know, coming out of about during the week, I was about five or six grand up, um, which for a lad that was like 19, 20 years of age, like that's, yeah. you know, stupid money. And, you know, that was, I guess, looking back, like the worst thing that could have happened to me because, you know, it, it all like seemed to click into place and it was all so easy. Um, and because I was still, in, in a sense, kind of new to it and quite vulnerable, um, you just sort of, or again, for me personally, I just wanted it more. And I wanted that that feeling all the time. Obviously, you know yourself that just isn't how it goes. Um, and it was, you know, when you get that win, and no matter how many times you lose, you just, as I said earlier, you just keep craving it and chasing it. And it's it's such a vicious cycle that when you get trapped up in that, and you, you know, as I said earlier, I, I knew what I was doing was wrong, but because I was, I guess, so like deluded or in denial, just kept going and kept going, and that's when you know, started losing serious amounts of money, getting into trouble with, you know, debts, uh, borrowing money off friends, family, that sort of thing. You know, it, it really messes with your mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can imagine. Could you sort of uh, paint the picture? Was it, was you at a race meeting uh, and you can sort of pinpoint the the moment, the race, all the emotion of the bet that certain that was it. You was you was hooked. You, you loved it. Can you remember? Uh, the race it, yeah, it was like I say, when we went to the St. Ledger and, when we got tickets like for the meeting, we were like three or four months in advance, something stupid like that. And I was like, I'd been surrounded by the sport growing up, like my dad and my uncle and my granddad were all racing fans, but it was never, I was always a football lad growing up. Um, so I was never, never really that interested. But when we got tickets, I sort of wanted to, to follow the sport just so when like the day came around, I wasn't completely alien to it and I could have a bit of understanding. I wasn't, you know, going into it, still wasn't expecting much, but it was, like the feeling of studying a race and as I said earlier like taking time out of, of your day to to put a bit of effort and a bit of studying into a certain race to then eventually find the winner and I remember there was a couple of of horses on the day that like wasn't really fancied in the market and you know the experts um like quotation marks if you like were not really putting it up to to be there at the finish but then for me to try and make a case for it and then you know, things work out the way they did and the horse eventually ended up winning. That was like a feeling that I'd never experienced before. And I think it was that, uh, like, corresponding with, you know, having a bit of money on it. And and as I say, that feeling of ease and, and just how easy it all was, was, that was probably where, like, I got hooked the most. And as I said earlier on, like, that was probably the worst thing that happened to me because it was then that I just went down this path of thinking it was all so easy and, you know, if you pick out a certain race and put a bit of time into it, then you'll find the winner. Uh, and that's just not really what happened. Whilst there might have been a few winners along the way, it was the losers that, you know, really had a, a damaging impact, you know, in, in the long run. Yeah. Speaking on that, do, do you remember sort of when was rock bottom, if you don't mind me asking, when was your lowest uh, Sure, point? yeah. Rock, rock bottom was when I was uh, like 13, 14 outstanding loans at the age of 21 debts that totaled up to like just shy of 15 grand i've cleared out 
my own accounts, uh, lifetime savings that I'd had saved up since I was like 13, 14. That was all gone. Um, like I said to you earlier, I was bor borrowing money off close friends, family, making excuses, um, obviously not talking about what the money was actually for. Um, I'd, I'd borrow this money off friends, family. Um, and if I could get any more loans, you know, I'd, I'd venture down that route. But my credit rate was that much in the mud. You know, I couldn't really get anything else, but I'd try and get this money off people and, and, and start trying to pay debts back and start trying to uh, like uh, recover on my own, uh, if that makes sense. But I was just kidding myself at that point. Like when I was taking that money, I knew exactly what I was going to do to it, but do with it. And that's, it's so sad saying it out loud, you know, in the position I'm in now, but that's where my mind was at. You know, I'd uh, completely given up, which again is, is so sad, but I saw no way out of the, of the situation I was in. I was in. So yeah, like rock bottom was, Obviously, the, like the initial impact is financial, um, but it was when it really started taking over me mentally and physically that I just couldn't really take it anymore. Um, and I'd, I'd never been one to like have suffered with mental health or depression or anything like that. Um, and obviously, we, we both went to the same school and we had the talks about like depression and, and suicide and all them sort of things. And I, I sort of like selfishly would ignore that because I never thought it had happened to me. And it was when it really like began to take over that I just I stopped seeing my friends. Um, I was just you know almost like creating this fictional character when I'd go down chap or go to town. You know, like being the person that I, I really wanted to be deep down, but I just wasn't that person. Uh, and it just ruined my life basically. And I, it was in March uh, last year where you know I was. Again, as sad as it sounds, ready to just end it all. Uh, again, I saw no way out. I couldn't yeah. come clean to my parents. I couldn't talk to my friends just because I was so embarrassed and so ashamed. And I saw no way out from it. And and opening up, I guess, was a bit of a cry for help because I knew that if I didn't do what I did, uh, something, you know, catastrophic could have happened. And I, there was a part of me that wanted that to happen. There was a part of me that wanted to, you know, to be free of it all and just ha have it all over and done with. But then there was also a part that, I didn't want to do that and I wanted to get help, but it just seemed so impossible. It's so sad. Like I said, being in the position I'm in now, it's so sad saying it out loud, but that's it's just where my mind was at. It really did just, yeah, completely ruin me. You, know, you said £15,000 in debt. It's just mm. staggering, really, isn't it? Yeah, which I think for anyone is a quite a, a serious amount of money. But when you're, as I say, at the age of 21 and, you know, I've been... I guess, suffering in silence for the best part of three, nearly four years. And this has happened, you know, over, over that period of time. Uh, just so many emotions, so many feelings, like I say, mainly just embarrassment and shame and a big, a, a, just a lot of fear, um, you know, not wanting to, to open up, just scared of how my parents or my friends would react. You know, would it be a positive response? Would they want to help? Or would they just say, look, this is your issue. It's got nothing to do with me, you know, you've got yourself into this mess get yourself out of it and that was a big part of as to why I didn't open up for so long because I was so scared um and, and obviously looking back the reality is you know it wasn't something I should have been scared of you know and I, I am proud of myself for for opening up um and there's so many regrets I've got in life but I'm just you know fortunate to still be here and fortunate that I can uh, you know like share my experiences like I'm doing now and and, and show others that there is a way out of it yeah. Do you remember when you opened up to your, to your family? I God, yeah. I mean, like the, I'd had this like scripts planned out. Um, yeah. I would literally 
take out my iPad and I'd, I was like writing down notes as to how I'd word it. Um, and I just, you know, this went on for like a couple of weeks and I'd, I'd go downstairs and I'd bottle it and I'd go straight back upstairs. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, again, just like, just scared, embarrassed, ashamed, you know, all these things. And it eventually got to a point where I was literally just sat. Uh, I was a mess. I was crying. I was, you know, having some pretty shit, quite dark thoughts. And that's when I, you know, the script that I had planned sort of went out the window and I, I sat down and I, I didn't sugarcoat anything. I just said how it is. And I said, look, I understand if you don't want to help, I understand if you want me to go and, you know, and get this sorted on my own. You know, I get that because I've, you know, brought all this stress onto my parents, parents that had been so supportive all my life. Um, and, and fortunately for me, and, and what I'm so grateful for is, is it, obviously they were upset, they were angry, they were ashamed, you know, whatever. There was a lot of tears shed, but in the end they just wanted to, to get some help sent my way and, and they were supportive and they helped, you know, in the, in the finance department and, and then talking about it on social media was something I felt like I had to do because if I didn't, I'd still be bottling it up. I'd still be lying around friends, like other family members, work colleagues. Um, and it just turns out that going on social media and talking about it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and stuff was the best thing I could have done because the support from that was, you know, a big part of my recovery and, and, you know, realizing that me talking about what I've been through is, is helping others and potentially, you know, avoiding other people going down the same path. You know, that's, that's massive as I'm sure you can imagine. And that's no, been yeah, a big yeah. part of, uh, as to why I've, I've got here today. Yeah. Is, you've not had a bet now in, uh, is, is it a year now? It's like, yeah, 15, coming on for 16 months, uh, which saying out loud is mental. No, yeah. No, if you, if, if you just said to me this time, like I said, 16 months ago, God, I've said you're an idiot. Like it just wasn't, it just didn't seem possible in my mind. Like I was, life just revolved around it. Um, and and that was honestly, James, like when I, I opened up, I was still so, so scared. And that sounds crazy because I had all like the restrictions in place, you know, like gam stop and debit card blocks and all that sort of thing. But the urges and, and like the temptations to gamble always got the better of me. Like always, I could never get away from, it was just so difficult to ignore. So when I'd stopped, uh, it's like it was like the urges were just stronger than ever before, um, and I that's when I had to find my own ways of coping. Um, and obviously, I had the support of from my parents and my friends, and I could talk about you know what I was experiencing online, and that was a massive help. But I had to you know fill that void of time, if that makes sense, because often if I was like bored, I'd gamble. Um, yeah. Any given point in the day where I, I had time on my hands, I'd be gambling. Um, so to now suddenly just take that out of my life and know that I'm not going to be doing it anymore was was tough and it was strange and it was, you know, a bit weird, but it was, you know, just, as I say, filling that void of time, which was a, a big help, especially, you know, early on in the first two or three months. I'm sure loads of people can relate to what you just said. It's it's sometimes not gambling out of enjoyment or necessity. It's just out mm. of boredom. And yeah, yeah, such a vice. And what what have you what have you replaced it with? Have you found? Uh, have you got hobbies back? Have you have you do you exercise? What what what? Uh, sure, yeah. It's a, you've said it yourself. It's like exercising. Um, be, like before I opened up, I uh, never did any form of exercise. I'm naturally quite a skinny lad, and I've always been that way. Um, so when I, as I say, in the first two or three months, I needed something to, you know, to 
occupy myself or if I was getting a particular urge on it, if, if it wasn't, you know, a great day and it was maybe getting the better of me, I needed an escape. Uh, so I started, I started running, which was something I was just honestly just really shit at. And I was doing like five Ks in 40 minutes, which is, is not great at all. But if it meant that I could go out and do that and, you know, go another day gamble free, then that was, you know, I think the most important thing at the time. And it was honestly like as time went on that I, I, I was getting a bit of a kick out of it and I was enjoying it. And I was doing yeah. the same route, um, like around our end. And it, it, as I say, when the enjoyment kicked in and not only the enjoyment, but I sort of started seeing my times get better and better. Um, which is when I knew that that was my like go-to, go-to thing. Um, so I do that like two or three times a week. And, and obviously if I wasn't having a particularly great day and I would just be sat inside, sometimes like my own thoughts getting the better of me, you know, I'd drop everything and I'd go. And it was yeah. sometimes a bit spontaneous and stuff. But as I say, if I could do that and just, uh, it sounds so cringy saying it out loud, but just going out for a run and, and a bit of fresh air, you know, like earphones in that sort of thing yeah, just yeah. allows you to, to like see the bigger picture. And I, I'd never believed in that sort of thing. You know, oh, yeah. people would say, you feel, you feel a bit crap, go for a walk. I never, I never got that. But it was only like when I started in recovery that I, you know, understood it more than ever before. And it was just, you know, allowing me to see the bigger picture and obviously loads of regrets about what's happened. And, yeah. you know, if I could have turned the clocks back and I could have done things differently, I'd have never been in this position. But that's all in hindsight. Uh, you know, I can't turn the clocks back. I can't change the past, but I can, I can focus on just trying to make a bit more of a positive future and flip a negative into a positive. And I like to think, you know, I've done that and I'm, you know, so far off being the person I want to be, but I'm a, a lot more closer than I was this time 16 months ago. And I think that's, uh, you know, like the most important thing. No, yeah, 100%. And what you were saying about, it's such uh, about running being a distraction because it does, it, I can see how gambling gets a hold of people and it's such an intense mm. little microcosm. You know, if you're, if you're chucking money away and it, you just, you're on your phone and, and you're watching the races, yeah. and it's, it's intense, isn't it? And, I, mean, I can't imagine how good um how good getting out running was. I, I in fact Instagram about um taking out a loan uh and yeah. going on, and going on the roulette. So uh, and to, to get and you got your money back. You, you I think you said you were seven grand in debt and you got, That's right. Yeah. You got your roulette up, didn't you? It, it just, yeah, yeah it was like taking out the loan um and it was it was actually on like a on payday like a morning of payday and and as you say yourself like I'd got the money to pay all my debts off, um and I'd managed to like I guess accumulate that in the space of like fifteen twenty minutes which was kind of mad, um and I could have quite easily withdrawn all of that and all my debts be paid off and the the selfish mindset that I was in made me think that if I can get up to eight grand, then I can pay all my loans off with the seven grand and have a grand spare, and like just lost it all. And that's, it's something I can not laugh at, but almost look back on that and think like, what, what the hell was going on? Like no, how no. in my mindset was, why did I go ahead with that? And why was that normal in my mind at the time? But that's, as you, you said yourself, that's what it does to you. And when you're in that mindset, you know, gambling is just priority. And it, it got to the point where I wasn't even bothered about the money. Like I was just craving the feeling of, of putting a bet on. Uh, it, it sends your mind into just a complete, uh, especially for me, like a downward spiral. Um, and, you know, I could talk all day about different experiences and, and stories and stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, like 
again, for someone my age, um, and obviously it affects can affect men, women of of all ages. But for me personally, like just getting through, uh, like maturing and and coming to yeah, terms with the yeah. fact that the the bookies is unfortunately as you know, there's a, a, obviously a large percentage of people that can gamble responsibly. And, you know, that's brilliant. And I'm very jealous of, of them kind of people that can do that. But when you look at in terms of like affordability and that sort of thing, and the book is taking responsibility over like the vulnerable gamblers, it's, you know, there's just no protection there whatsoever. And it is just daylight robbery. Yeah. Well, um, which say, is, which think, is really sad. Do you think the bookies need to do, to do more to, to prevent and help people in similar situations to what you would say? So, yeah, I yeah. really would like, you know, yourself, like the adverts and stuff are just, thrown in your face constantly it's just a bombardment when you're watching the euros or you're watching racing you know it's there constantly and I, I do get it you know i get that they've got to do that but when you watch these adverts and you know let's say like if the advert's a minute and a half long you've got a minute and 25 seconds of what they want to promote and then you know they speed up the last five seconds of all the responsibility and if you're in trouble go to this site and you know when the fun stop stopping they speed all that up because they know they've got to get it in there but whatever they say like the reality is they don't care. Um, and, and I'm a prime example. I think like when I was depositing stupid amounts of money, I never got any like affordability checks, you know, of where I was getting this money from. Um, but it was so sad again, like saying it out loud, but the only time I ever got checked is when I started winning. And, yeah. you know, they'd happily take, let's say like 10 or 15 grand off me in a month. Um, and, and there'd be no questions asked. But as soon as I started, clawing back ever so slightly a bit of that money they'd be like suspending accounts putting uh, betting restrictions on uh, you know wanting proof of bank statements you know pay slips all that stupid stuff and that was only when I started taking money back off them and that to me was just a, a you know clear cut example of, of what they're out to do which is you know prey on the vulnerable um, which is sad and I, I do I think they need to do so much more whether they're ever going to do more I, I really don't know but as long as I can you know, keep up with the blog that I've got going on, sharing my experiences. And and as I said earlier on, just trying to stop people falling into the, the same trap I fell in. So uh, finish on then, what's the uh, what's the best bit of advice you can give to people who might be heading into a similar situation or in a, in a similar situation to what you Just uh, please talk to someone, for God's sake. Like, I, I knew what I was doing was wrong, um, like, years before. You know, I eventually opened up, I'd accepted I had a problem. Um, and it was just about taking that next step then and, and accepting that I had a problem to other people and, and actively and like consciously seeking help and wanting to get better. And it was just that part that I could never could never get through. You know, the embarrassment and, and the shame was just too much. Whereas now, as we say, like 15 months without a bet, you need to put aside the embarrassment and put aside the shame. And, you know, there is so much more to life away from gambling and no matter how bad of a situation you find yourself in um you know whether it's financially or mentally you know you can get help and you can get better it's it's just about wanting to get help and you know it's such a, a difficult part and it was for me you know accepting that you've got a problem and and having to put these restrictions in place to to stop yourself gambling there is still a you know a lot of embarrassment there that I've got to do that and uh, you know for the best part of a year I had to give my mum like my paycheck on payday because I couldn't trust myself and that is and that is upsetting for me but if that's what's got to be done to you know to keep recovery intact then you know you 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 have to be willing to pull out all the stops to 
to get better. Um, and recovery is tough. It's not a breeze. It's, it's very much like one day at a time. You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, and it will take time. You know, the, if you are struggling, the changes won't be instant. But Jesus Christ, it's it's worth it, one hundred percent. So that was Adam Wood really laying it bare there with his experience with sports gambling. It's worth saying if you can relate to anything he said and want advice, you can seek help online. Also, if you want to follow Adam's story, you can do so via Twitter at Adam the Fun Stopped. I didn't. That is at Adam underscore T F S I D. We'll be right back.